0: So I'm going to guess that we all love a good second chance story. Now I know this because I started researching some popular second chance stories and there was no end to the list of second chance stories. Um, For instance, every sports movie ever made is a second chance story. Frozen, Frozen Two, um, most Disney princess movies, um, you know, and then we have some one-offs like Groundhog Day, where it's not just second chance, but like thirty-five chances. Um, Les Miserables, a classical, beautiful tale of second chances. Um, Back to the Future, where he gets to rewrite his own second chance. There are so many, and of course, every single Hallmark movie ever made, where all the city girls move to the. Country, because they have to fix some problems, and they run into that guy that they hate so much, and then they fall in love with that guy and kiss under the mistletoe on Main Street. Now, for me, I don't really like those stories where I know exactly what's coming, but I love those stories because they give me something I desperately need, and that is hope, Because. I need second chances, and I think you all need those same second chances. We read these because we like to hear the story that even when you mess up, even when you completely blow it, there is another chance for you. And thank you Hallmark for running those 24 hours a day. You see, in studying Jonah has brought um, this idea of second chances to the forefront. I mean, all of chapter three is about second chances. It's about second chances, not just for Jonah, but also for Nineveh. And so as we've studied up through these last few lessons of Jonah, it has caused me to look back over my life and think of all of the times, yes, plural, times, where I have needed a second chance, where I have desperately needed just some hope. And now last semester, when we were studying James, that seems like forever ago, I told you my story about how I was going through a divorce and I had to persevere through a trial and learn to count it all joy. Y'all remember counting it all joy, right? I know you all do. You don't have to nod. So, um, And I told you that story of going through that divorce, but then coming out of that and finding community and pursuing the Lord and, and developing these intentional relationships... But what I did not tell you was that time between the trial and the rescue where I made a lot of not really great choices. A place where I really needed the Lord to rescue me. Now you see, I'm a lot like Jonah. I grew up as a Christian. I know the scriptures. I know the obedience God is calling us to. I also knew that I had just come out of a really difficult trial, living under someone else's the consequences of someone else's trial. And and I just I just wanted to do things my own way. I just wanted to make my own choices and not do what everybody else was telling me to do. Not even God. And you know really I was just tired and obedience is hard. And so instead of making those intentional choices to pursue the Lord and pursue his will for my life, I made the very unintentional choice to just not. And I chose a community of comfortable, you could say. Now here's what those choices looked like for me. Um, It looked like just um, taking a step and um, hearing the voice of God and just turning my back on him. And then taking another step where I didn't even speak to God for days, another small step where I didn't crack open my Bible for a week, another little step where um, I just ordered that just, just one more drink. I took another step where I just, I'm just gonna let these things slide and just, just play out these circumstances. And before I knew it, I had completely turned my back on God. And that unintentional choice of comfort looked like doing things my own way, in my own time, the way I wanted to do it and with whom I wanted to do it. And being in 2020 and looking back at 2003, it amazes me how quickly one little step of turning away from God can put me on a boat headed to Tarshish. It's kind of like that, um, it's one of my favorite quotes, if you've ever seen The Rainmaker. At the end of the movie, um, Matt Damon is an attorney who is kind of learning the ropes of becoming an ethical attorney. And he's figuring out the right choices and wrong choices to make in order to be that ethical attorney. And he puts it like this. I bet you can relate. He says, Every lawyer, at least once in every case, feels himself crossing a line that he doesn't really mean to cross. It just happens. And then you cross it enough times that it disappears forever. And then you're just another lawyer joke, another shark in the dirty water. You see, I had crossed that line so many times, unintentionally. But when I looked back, I couldn't even see the line and that I had turned my back on God. But what about you? Have you ever taken small steps That you just they were so tiny, so minuscule, and then one day you look back in shock and go, How did I end up here? Maybe it was maybe it was just telling that one more lie just to be likable. Maybe it was spending that 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 $50 just so I could look put together. Maybe it was cutting corners and just letting those choices slide. Because maybe I'm just tired. And obedience sounds exhausting. Have you ever been there? But I remember a day for me when I experienced a turning point. Um, I had come out of my apartment. I had just moved to Dallas. And um, I came out of my apartment. And I was walking down the stairs. And my neighbor was at the bottom of the stairs. And we had exchanged some pleasantries in the few months that I had lived there. And this day he took a rather bold step. And he invited me to church with him. And I was like, me, church. Um, I grew up in the church. I am a Christian. I am not one of those people you need to invite because I know about church. And he's like, "You're a Christian," and his shock was a little offensive, I must say. <laughs> Completely valid, but um, he he still said, "Well, you don't go because I see your car here. So why don't you just go with me?" And because why not, and because he was cute, not near as cute as Mr. Opperly, who I would later meet in several years here in these walls, but I said, why not? And I went to church with him. And it was God's providence that it was at that church I found my community. I found those friendships and those relationships that pushed me toward Christ. And I began to pursue the Lord intentionally, and got into a relationship with him, and I received a second chance. That second chance that enables me to be here with you today. Now, ladies, have you ever needed a second chance? Now, that's completely rhetorical because I know you have. (laughs) This is a room full of sinners where we all have made mistakes, where every one of us has desperately needed a second chance. And God is giving Jonah in this passage, he is giving you an opportunity to turn the stern of your ship back toward him. He is giving you an opportunity to participate in his purposes. You see, God is calling us and he is wooing us to participate in his plan right now. And if you are sitting there and you think perhaps there is not room for you to participate in God's kingdom work, I hear your fear, but I'm going to tell you you're wrong. I can tell you you're wrong because I have experienced that second chance and come from a place that I did not think I could return because the word of the Lord came to me a second time. Now, when I tell you the word of the Lord came to me a second time, I don't want you to picture a burning bush or a dove descending from heaven, okay? The word of the Lord came to me a second time. It came to Jonah a second time. So let's see what that really means. Look at Jonah two ten, moving into 3, 1. It says, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Okay, so this is what that means. When the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, it meant that the Lord was still inviting him into an opportunity to participate in God's purposes and his plans. The Lord didn't take Jonah and put him on a shelf. He didn't see his disobedience and then set him aside to never be used again. God was giving Jonah a second chance. Now, Jonah has been through so many ups and downs already, right, he has heard the voice of God, he has turned from the voice of God, and he has experienced the consequences of turning away from God. And so we start out in chapter three, where Jonah has been vomited out of the, dry, out of the fish onto, not a dry fish, out of the fish onto dry land. And so I picture Jonah kind of laying there in that muck that comes with being in the belly of a whale, And God comes to him. And isn't that where God usually finds us covered in muck, right? And so God comes to Jonah and it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Now, this sounds a lot like the passage we read in chapter one, doesn't it? There is one part of the verse that is different, though. This is the part of the verse that makes it so much better. The word of the Lord didn't just come, it came to Jonah a second time. Now, can we be thankful for a God who comes to us and it comes to his prophets and his people a second time? You know, I think this is one of the most, if not the most important verse in the book of Jonah. Because what is happening, this is Jonah's turning point. This is the pinnacle for Jonah. You see, this is the place where Jonah turns and puts his eyes on God. This is where Jonah takes his eyes off of his sin and he puts his eyes on God. It's like Tim Keller, he says, he puts it so beautifully. He says, for every one look at your sin, take five looks at your Savior. And so today I'm going to ask us to take five hard looks at our Savior. Now, not five literally, we're not going to go through five different looks, but what that means is I'm going to ask you to spend some time focusing on who our Savior is, because all of us have been given second chances, and there is one thing in common with every single one of our second chances, and it is the Savior who offers it. So I want you to picture it. Picture God and Jonah. (laughs) The Lord is seated on high and he sees his prophet who has once rebelled, he sees his prophet return to him. And we see God Almighty not condemn Jonah and not set him aside, but we see him give Jonah a second chance. But why is this so important? Like we all know, we've talked at length about God's forgiveness and his unconditional love and the grace that he's offered us. This though is so much more this isn't just God's unconditional love. Friends, this is the proof that he still invites us into an opportunity to participate in the work that he is doing. You are invited in to work hand in hand with God for the glory of his kingdom. And so friends, I am Before we continue, I want you to know something important. And it's that you have not been disqualified. There is nothing you can do to disqualify you. When we turn our faces toward God, there is nothing we can do to disqualify us from being used for his kingdom. And this message, it may not be for you. You may already know that, but it may be for someone you need to tell. It may be for someone you need to remind that you still belong. Now, I don't know what it is that you've done. I don't know where any of you are today. But I can tell you that I was in a pit that was way over my head. One that I had dug myself. I had made rebellious decisions. I have turned from God. I have put my most important relationships in jeopardy with my own choices. And I have chosen myself a hundred times for every one that I have chosen God. But the word of the Lord comes to me a second time. Now, I have a dear friend who, um, she went through some of her own self-made trials in high school. She made some choices that landed her in the pit and ended up in her being expelled from high school. She was a Christian, she was part of a youth group at her church, but once she was expelled, she thought she would never be accepted back into the youth group with all her church friends. She thought she could never be part of that group ever again and be accepted and belong. But you see, the word of the Lord comes a second time. And we fast forward a few years where that dear friend is not just in a high school youth group because she's in her 20s now, but she is leading a high school youth group because God redeemed her story and she can tell them that the word of the Lord came to her a second time. Now, maybe it's more than that. Maybe, just maybe, you're thinking about that 2% that Jody talked about last week that 2% of sin that we don't confess, the 2% that's sitting back there in the dark, you know, the ones we don't even want our mom to know about? Do you see it back there? You know, I have a 2%. My 2% nearly took me out. I nearly let it disqualify me for the rest of my life. I was fearful that if I told my mom, if I told especially my church friends, they would never look at me the same. But as long as that 2% was in the dark, I believed those lies. But then I mustered up the courage to bring that 2% before God, bring it into the light. And then I told that 2% to my inner circle. You know what my inner circle did? They loved me. They brought me in closer. Because you know what? They got a 2% too. Ladies, look around. These are your sisters. And we've all got it. But we all need each other. And so we need to come in close to one another. And take our eyes off judgment and take our eyes off, at least I'm doing better than that one. We need to put our eyes on the savior because we are better together, are we not? So if you are in a place where you think your 2% is perhaps different than everyone else's and that because of that, the word of the Lord cannot come to you a second time, let me walk you through this ladies because we can't just put our past behind us. We gotta put our past in front of God. We have to put our past there for him to redeem. We need to seek true repentance. And if that seems overwhelming, I got you. Here's what we do. The first thing, ask Christ to come get you. Muster up every bit of courage you have and ask God to baptize you in a tide of sorrow over your sin. And if you are still in that sin, raise your hand and tell Christ say, I'm willing to leave, come get me, Jesus and then have no confidence in your flesh because it is your flesh and your own ability that got you to this place in the first place. So just be real before God because spoiler alert, God already knows your 2%. He was there. He is already waiting. The way back to the face of God is through humility. Make no excuses, rationalize nothing, blame no one, just humble yourself. You see, humble yourself and experience true repentance. I love this beautiful statement by Beth Moore about repentance. She says, True repentance bears fruit. I am utterly convinced that a man or woman who has been wholehearted, sincerely, and purely devoted to Christ, and who has gone through the horror of deep sin, will come out of it with a humility that can last a lifetime. Here's the important part you see, God forgives and forgets because he doesn't need to remember. We are forgiven, but do not forget because we are wise to never lose sight of where we have been and how God has rescued us. I don't think Jonah ever forgot what God rescued him from. I don't think Jonah ever forgot his journey to Tarshish and the giant fish that not just swallowed him, but then vomited him back up on dry land. But more than anything, I don't think Jonah forgot the big, big God who gave him second chance, life-saving mercy. Beth Moore goes on to say this. She says, "'If God's not bigger than I have thus far needed "'and believed him to be, I am history.'" Friends, you aren't history because God is bigger. You see, we can turn our face toward God because when we turn our face toward God, there is no sin he won't forgive and there is no situation he cannot redeem. Look what scripture says about second chances. In Second Corinthians 5.17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Now, this is good news, but more than that, this word new in the Greek, this word new is kainos. And what kainos means is that it's new to the point that the old never even existed, and that the new is something we've never experienced before. When you are in Christ, your old character can be something that's never even existed because there is a new life that you've never known that is waiting for you. Look at Lamentations 3.22. It says, Because of the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. God applies them to me every single day of my needy life. But, but I never want to lose sight of where I've been and some of the places he's had to come and rescue me. I think that sometimes we suffer terribly from unbelief. We often don't accept the complete and full redemption that God is offering to us. You see, when Jesus went to the cross and took our sins with him, he didn't cry from the cross. It is finished, except for that thing that Mary's gonna do in 2020. And then I'll have to come up with a different sacrifice for that. Or maybe I'll just let her go to hell because my death wasn't enough for that sin. Ladies, I know we don't believe that, but why do we act like it then? You see, friends, this second chance business, this is nothing new to God. He has been doing this for a long time. You see, God called Abraham. And when Abraham lied and said his wife was his sister and they nearly got themselves killed, the word of the Lord came to Abraham a second time. God called David as king, and when David had an affair with a married woman and then had the husband of that married woman killed, the word of the Lord came to David a second time. God called Peter, and Peter, despite having an intimate relationship with Jesus, in the flesh, Jesus still on, Peter still, on the night Jesus buried, died, Peter denied even knowing him. And not just once, but three times. And the word of the Lord came to Peter a second time. God called Jonah. And when Jonah turned and ran to Tarshish in rebellion and disobedience, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And God called you. And friends, I don't know where you are, but the word of the Lord has come to you a what second time completely and fully and he's giving you an opportunity to serve him and be poured out so that someone else can know him. Now the fact that he does that with us, the complete disasters that we are, or maybe I should speak for myself, that I am, it amazes me that he still desires to use us. Because the word of the Lord comes to you a second time. Now let's keep going in Jonah. Look at Jonah 3, verse 2. It says, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. Let's stop there. Okay, this sounds awfully familiar. Again, doesn't it? It's the same thing we read in chapter 1, isn't it? God's command to Jonah hasn't changed he told him to go back and do the same thing that Jonah tried to get out of in chapter one. Now, unfortunately, I know this exchange all too well. Y'all, y'all think it's because I'm disobedient all the time, but really it's my daughter who I have to say this to all the time. When she comes to me and wants to do something and I say, well, did you do that first thing that I asked you to do? And she says, no. <laughs> and I say, why don't you go back and try that very first thing I asked you to do? Do you remember the last thing God asked you to do that you tried to step around? Now, if you were just wondering how God is going to give you this second chance or if you can't even fathom what his voice sounds like, go back to the last place you heard his voice. Go back to the last thing he asked you to do because this is what God did with Jonah. You see, many scholars agree that the whale, when it spit out Jonah, it spit Jonah out back at Joppa, the place where he first ran. Now, you'll see on this map, Jonah got on a boat and headed away from Nineveh. Now, we don't know exactly where Tarshish is, but people have guessed, a lot of scholars have researched this, and to their best guess, Tarshish is 2,000 miles that way. (laughs) Jonah got on the boat and headed far west of where he was supposed to go. And so when the whale swallowed Jonah, it brought him back in the sea, back to Joppa, vomited out onto the land where he just ran away. What am I doing back here? (laughs) I can only imagine how he felt. Priscilla Shire has a study of Jonah, and she puts it this way. Not only must Jonah have been amazed to still be alive, but he must have been startled when he got his bearings and realized that he was back at square one with the same command he'd fled before. For him, there'd be no getting out of God's will, no shortcut to Nineveh. He had not gotten a full ride to the shores of Assyria, courtesy of the big fish express. Full detailed obedience on his part would be required. Jonah was back at Joppa the place where he first heard the command from God to go to Nineveh. There are no shortcuts to obedience for Jonah or for us. And Priscilla goes on, she says this, Jonah was back at Joppa and had to devote himself fully to God's will. No shortcuts could navigate the 500 miles to Nineveh. He had to put one foot in front of the other and trust God for the rest. Now it was time to obey fully, completely, and wholeheartedly. So friends, where is Joppa for you? I mean, like Jonah, I think we try to take shortcuts to get out of the full responsibility of obeying. I mean, it's hard and I'm tired but what was the last thing God asked you to do? Was it apologizing to that person who you knew was wrong, but maybe you just spoke a little harshly to? Was it that $5 for your weekly caramel macchiato, that one thing you do for yourself that God asked you to put in small change for big change? Was it texting a a really difficult sibling, and telling him that you love him? Was it talking to that person who has been so hateful to you, but God has called you to just be kind? Now, here's the thing, friends. I don't think we want, in our nature, we don't want to do those things. We know that we can do them, but we also probably aren't going to do them very well. We know that we can't be the the co-workers, the sisters, the moms, the daughters, the friends that we need to be. And the fact is, if you know it, God knows it too. He knows it so well and so plainly that in John 15, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. But knowing that, God still doesn't give us a shortcut to step around his instructions. Instead, you know what he gives us? He gives us himself. Look what he does for Jonah. You see, in verse 2, it says, arise and go and call out the message that I tell you. And in verse 4, Jonah goes and he calls out the message, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. You see, in verse 2, God did not tell him the message before he was to go. He said, the message that I tell you that is the message that I'm going to tell you. We don't know exactly when God gave him the message, but we knew that Jonah went not knowing the message. So do you see? God was with him. God went with him to tell him the message as he was going. God did not leave Jonah on his own abilities. Can you imagine what he would have said to the Ninevites? And he will not ask us to do something and then figure it out for ourselves. So ladies, what has God asked you to do? Actually, let's back up. Let me ask you this. What do you have faith in? Is your faith in your own abilities to be good or righteous or wise? Or is your faith in God who demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinning, he died for us? The fact that we are talking about second chances should tell us that faith in our own abilities to do the right thing or live the right way is going to disappoint us. But Jeremiah 33 tells us that we can have faith in the one who will remain faithful even when we are faithless. And he has sent us a helper to do just that. In John 16, as Jesus was spending time with the disciples, he was about to leave, he was comforting them because he was ascending to heaven and they were sad that he was leaving. He told them it was to their advantage that he should go because he was sending another helper the Holy Spirit. Now, why was this good news to them? This was good news to them because at that time, Jesus was in the flesh. Jesus could only do one-on-one ministry. Jesus, Jesus could only bless one person at a time. He could only minister in one place at a time. The Holy Spirit was completely and fully the presence of God, not just with them, but in them, in us. You see, the same power that raised the Holy Spirit from the dead is the same power that God uses us to obey him and to go out and live our lives for his glory. Because you see, once we receive the Holy Spirit, which is at the moment of our salvation, the Holy Spirit is never to be taken away from us. Now, this is good news because we can't sin ourselves out of the presence of God within us. Now, What we can do is we can sin enough and we can turn our back on God enough and we can go on with unconfessed sin enough that we no longer recognize the voice of God, that we no longer are aware of the presence of God and we can no longer experience the power of God. And so if you are in a place where you are wondering why the Holy Spirit isn't talking to you, this is the time for you to ask God why. This is the time to ask God to reveal to you what in your heart is keeping you from obeying. This is that time to humble yourself, to experience true repentance, and to ask the Holy Spirit to come and do his job, which is to equip you and empower you, encourage you, convict you, and strengthen you. Because ladies, when you don't have enough grace for yourself, God has the grace to forgive you and draw you in close because he desires deep relationship with you. Brene Brown describes grace like this. She says grace means that all of your mistakes now serve a purpose instead of shame. What that means is that our mistakes can be redeemed and serve a purpose now. For Jonah who experienced deep rebellion and deep forgiveness, he could go to a group of people who had experienced deep rebellion and needed deep forgiveness, and he could talk to them in a way he had never talked to them before. Unfortunately, in my story, I experienced a deep pit, but also a rescue that was incredible. And what's fortunate for me is now that I can sit with you, and there's nothing you can say or do that's going to make me disappointed in you, because, sister, I've been there. And there is a God who has come to us a second time. Your grace, your story is no longer meant for shame. It is used for grace and for a purpose. You see, when we study Jonah next week in chapter four, we will see that Jonah did not do it perfectly. He blows it again with his attitude. And the fact is you and I are gonna blow it again with our attitude. And the word of the Lord's gonna come to you a second time. And He's gonna draw you in close. God is inviting you to participate in His kingdom work. And He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us obey what He's asking us to do. What has kept you from obeying? For Jonah, it was fear and anger. Pride, probably, for you, is it scarcity? Do you think that you just don't have enough right now to obey? That's an easy fix. You have the Holy Spirit, and God is filling you now. So whatever it is, ladies, turn to God and ask him to reveal to you what has kept you from obeying, and then confess it, call on the Holy Spirit, and handcuff yourself to the risk of the wrist of God and ask him to drag you along to never let you go until you are ready to stand because the word of the Lord has come to you a second time. The presence of God is within you to do what you cannot accomplish on your own. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you that you are a God of not just second, but third, fourth, fifth, and hundredth chances. Thank you that your grace doesn't run out. God, help us not to just go on sinning, but God, help us to turn our faces toward you so that we can experience the deep, deep grace and the deep, deep purpose you are calling us to for your glory and for your kingdom. In your son's name, who made all of this possible for us, amen.